0: Hi, folks welcome to agency unfiltered the hubspot solutions partner podcast i'm your host kevin dunn and agency unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews the owners founders and executives of agencies and services providers from around the world about whatever it takes to grow and scale and this week we have on danny buckley vice president and general manager of lead g2 who shares with us her team's strategies for securing sustainable growth as a services provider and our primary discussion is around sales enablement. And while LeadG2 offers sales enablement services to their clients, Danny shares what sales enablement looks like for her team, including the methodologies and resources, playbooks, processes and technologies that have been put into place to allow their sales teams to be more effective. And as a remote distributed team, we discuss what sales enablement, team management and sales performance management looks like for them what works well, and what tips she has for others. So are you looking to drink your own champagne when it comes to building a sales enablement strategy for your team? And if so, there's no better place to start than Agency Unfiltered. Danny, welcome to Agency Unfiltered. How are we doing?
1: Great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: You betcha. Um, I know right as we were hitting record here uh, comparing weather-wise, I think we're both doing all right today. East coast yeah. to west coast, spring has sprung.
1: Yes, it is beautiful in the Bay Area finally after a weird winter, so it, it's, it's good. <laughs>
0: uh, how, would, how does the Bay Area classify a weird winter? How do you, what makes a winter weird?
1: It was very wet, and we're like always in drought, so it was good, but it was it rained a lot, and um, people aren't used to that here. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, not ready for it. Yeah, yeah, right. uh, yeah. can imagine it's fairly disruptive if you're not if you're not ready for it. I get it totally. Um, so, Dave, what well, we're here to talk about um, for both uh, yourself and the team, but also as a pull through for your clients, uh, but sales uh, enablement. Um, sales consultancy as a mean of driving improved sales velocity, sales acceleration. Uh, and so uh, excited to, to pick your brain on all of that and, and more. Um, but I think it, I'd be remiss to not start with the context of uh, who you are, who your team is, uh, what the team size is today. And I bet you can state kind of your, your place in the market better than I can. You, you probably have a, a better pitch. So I'll, I'll let you say it there. And we'll go uh, from there. How's that
1: sound? Sure. Yeah, I think I got all those questions. So yeah, uh, yeah here's
0: like 19 right out of the yeah, gate. Okay, so okay, who are go. you? The team, team size, and your service offering.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm Danny Buckley. So I'm the vice president and general general manager at g 2 and um, we have been doing what we do for about about 11 to 12 years. Um, so we've been in the business. Uh, a while. And we are a HubSpot partner. We've been a HubSpot partner since the beginning. We're very early in their partnership program, the, the start of it. Um, so we love HubSpot. Uh, and the our kind of history that speaks to the size of our company is our parent company is a 40-year-old, we're actually celebrating 40 years this year, um, a 40-year-old sales consulting firm. And um, we are all about helping turn sales talent into sales performance. That's what we do. So our backbone is in sales and driving sales results and sales performance. And that really dictates who we are as like a marketing agency, which is what makes us different than a lot of other marketing agencies. Um, so, yeah. And so our, our, the legit 2 side of things, there's about 15 of us with some of those people shared across the company. We have another division called up your culture where we focus on um, company engagement or uh, co- sorry, employee engagement, company culture. Yeah. So those are kind of our three divisions. Um yeah, we try to cover all the bases.
0: No, that's great. I love uh, taking sales talent and turning it into sales performance. See, I knew there was going to be a hook. Love that. Uh, And so, Diddy, how would you describe the engagements um, that Lee G2 enters with their clients uh, around this service offering? Is it Fairly project based, uh, is it retainer based? Is it fairly short form or long form? Like what does the actual engagement scope and size look like for this type yeah, of
1: yeah, yeah. So to be even more clear, so the turning talent into sales performance, that's like our that's like our big overall mission, the Center for Sales Strategy. Lead G2, we are all about driving inbound and outbound sales results. And we do that through lead generation, inbound marketing, and sales enablement. Um, so the in types of engagements we do to help drive um that that those results are really um we do a lot of retainer work so we do focus on long-term engagements most of our clients are uh typically on retainer somewhere between 12 to 18 months um we have some that are actually multi-year um that's usually like renewals where they're like yeah we love you let's lock it in (laughs) um and that's that's what we're always shooting for um and but we do project work as well it's definitely not our focus like some agencies are all about the project work and they do a great job of that uh we prioritize long-term engagements because we really are relationship builders and we want the opportunity to be kind of evolving and growing with our clients as their needs evolve and grow. And we're kind of really great at that. I mean, our background is consulting, right? It's not just taking a task, doing it. Here's the project, here's the execution. Like, you know, it's really about how do we have an ongoing relationship where we can continuously be serving you, helping you reach new and different goals that align with kind of our expertise. So, that is our, our focus and why we do the long-term engagements. And we also just think it's, um, for us, it's the business model that works um, as well.
0: <laughs> yep, 100%. Uh, makes sense. And, and honestly, uh, feels fairly uh, predictable, forecastable, right? Revenue-wise, if, if you have these yeah. 12 to 18-month-long engagements, I, I get the benefits there. It sounds like projects come in. Obviously, they play a supplemental role, um, which makes sense. Now, you mentioned in some cases, the retainers or the engagements uh, uh, can be multi-year, uh, yeah. At the point of maybe renewal is usually where that happens. Any any tips or tricks? I'm sure many partners today would love yeah. to have more multi year contracts. What's the what's the recommendation on how to do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, so the well, that's great. That's a good question. I mean, the recommendation is we only propose that if we actually think it's like beneficial and needed right so we're not just trying to get like the long-term contracts just always sometimes it makes sense to have a shorter term because it's not clear where this these folks are going to be in six months or nine months or a year and so we really try to look at it really genuinely first and foremost like what is best for the client and i mean that and so when we are looking at a multi-year deal sometimes the benefit is that it's really hard for them to get contracts signed. And so the person that we're talking to, we know they need this. We want this in place. We have a program that is going to take a lot of onboarding, a lot of tech setup. There's going to be a long um, startup. And so once we actually get rolling, we want to have time to get results and, um, you know, make this work. And so once they understand that, and they, they usually do, they know that it's going to be hard for them to get another contract signed. And so there is actually a benefit to multi-year, um, you know, there, we certainly will give, you know, uh, you know, sometimes better pricing, things like that for them to commit longer term, but it is always really looking at like, is this actually what's best for them? Um, and is this, what's going to help them? And so it can be very disruptive sometimes to go in through a contract renewal process for large corporations, especially. And so when we know that like, let's just get, let's just do this, let's just keep this rolling and not have to go through that process and pause what we're doing and, Jump through all this this red tape, it really can actually benefit them and, and they're yeah. usually kind of excited to be able to do that. Hmm. Uh,
0: and so it's I mean the big thing is hey, don't force it in every conversation. Identify yeah. when it's truly advantageous for the client experience and then you know, uh, framing it up as such. Um yeah, no, also, I'd, well, I'd
1: add like also when it makes sense and what's appropriate, include outs in the contract, right? Um we don't do that automatically, but uh, you know, we are flexible and being flexible and being uh, aware of different needs and, and things that help people feel kind of secure in the partnership. I think that's important too.
0: Yep. No, that's a great call. I love that. Um, and uh, well, let me ask you this. Um, uh, we don't have to necessarily go down the rabbit hole, but I know a lot of conversations happening amongst the partner ecosystem uh, are around, oh, upmarket, the product's moving upmarket. We want to offer services that, that support upmarket businesses. We want to cater our go-to-market to enable and to earn seats at the table with these upmarket businesses. Do you find that the sales consultancy the sales enablement the lead generation like how you frame or how you deliver these services does it change based on the types of clients uh, if you if you do move up market as well and and what are those changes if so
1: Yeah it does I mean I think we you know obviously we have we have to have structuring some consistency or you can't be recreating the wheel right with every client um 100%. You know, that's not yeah. ideal or or you know sustainable <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think the way that we do that is that we, a lot of the services we offer are actually built and structured with flexibility. So Mm. we try not to like pre, um, prescribe exactly what this is going to look like and how this is going to look and that we allow within the contract, we allow within the strategy, the flexibility that every quarter, every six months, whatever it might be we were within this framework, but it can be tweaked. Like, you know, we might be completely focusing more on lead generation content out, you know, kind of outbound marketing paired with inbound marketing ABM. But then we have the ability within this same contract to shift that maybe to more of a sales enablement focus, because we're realizing that sales folks um, are getting caught at a certain point in their sales process. And it's like, you know what, let's actually shift our attention here right now because the Legion stuff is working and we can, you need more of this. So, Building in flexibility is really important. Um, and I think we do in general have the ability to kind of just pair our, the right team members with different companies too, different types of businesses. Um, mm. Some, and I, I try, you know, we can't always do that. Sometimes it has to do with just bandwidth and who on, you know, what are our, our lead uh, the people who like really are account managers, we call them our inbound marketing and sales consultants. Right. So they're, sure. they're the main people building the strategy, executing the plan and kind of delegating to everyone else on the team. Uh, some of those folks are better with more sophisticated clients that already have an entire marketing team and are working with all these different voices and things that need to be played out. And then some are better at like really teaching and holding the hands of the folks who like are really new to this stuff. And so I try to like pair the right people too. And I think that makes a big difference when you're able to do that.
0: Yeah. I love that. It's uh, account assignment matters, right? Yes. And being able to identify, I mean, this probably goes into some strengths based culture elements too, but identifying what types of businesses and account managers or inbound strategists, whatever the, like what the right pairings are. Right. Yes. Uh, I love yeah, that. And it sounds like too, Danny, it's like, all right, how do you find the balance between standardization, uh, but also balancing that with like malleability and being able to uh, flex or shift or reallocate energy or resources, depending on how an engagement's kind of unfolding.
1: Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll uh, say also, we're, we're just flexible in, revisiting the actual contract within it. I mean, there's been times where we're like, wow, we all thought this is what was needed. Okay. We're really seeing this. We get maybe your budget can't change, but let's completely rework this. I mean, I think that needs to be really, especially when you are working with longer engagements, like I think you have to be available for that.
0: Like actually formalizing the scope of work to be done is like, no, we'll go back to the drawing board entirely, not just you know, pivoting a campaign strategy or something yeah, like that—you'll exactly. go all the way down to yeah. the contract. It yeah.
1: doesn't happen a lot, but I think, but it does happen. There's been times where we would never have gotten a renewal if we didn't do that in the mid contract. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I bet there's a nice framing of like customer centricity and like, hey, we're here to solve for your needs, not just try and execute a strategy yeah. that that we do rinse and pee whatever. So I'm sure there's some framing too that's highly beneficial around that. Totally.
1: Because the mo- the biggest complaint we hear from prospects talking about other agencies they've worked with, you know, just all across marketing, advertising, whatever, yeah. is like, we weren't happy and we just had to sit and write out this contract. And like, that mm. sucks, <laughs> you know? And um, I don't, we don't want people to ever feel that way. We want there yep. to be like, we're working together. If this isn't working, this isn't what you thought. We're not there. Um, yeah, we have to frame that. We have to also teach patients and all those important things about getting results. But like, there sometimes it's like, we just don't know until you know, until you're in it.
0: Right. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's our hypothesis. This is what we, we feel will be the best path forward. Yeah. But again, we don't want to just have force them to sit and ride that out. If it's not yeah. working, you have to be able to reinvent it yeah. uh, if needed. Yeah. Diddy, let me ask you this. I know oftentimes the metaphor uh, <clears throat> that agencies and services providers use, but it's like, Oh, the cobbler's children have no shoes. We help people with marketing. Our marketing is not so great. Uh, we build websites, but like our website needs work. Do you find that the cobbler's children at lead G2 have shoes or not? And how does sales consultancy and sales enablement, like where and how does that uh, manifest for your own sales efforts? Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I love that saying. I say it all the time. And you also said it previously in a conversation, eat your own dog food, which is just funny. I've said that to so many people and people don't know what I'm talking about. So I love that you use those. You know, I got to start saying
0: like, drink your own champagne. I've heard that one too. Way better than dog food, But but
1: you know, here we are. Um, I would say our, our children, our cobbler's children have shoes for sure. They may not be as nice as our clients' shoes that were. But they have footwear.
0: They have footwear. Yeah, they They have have
1: footwear. footwear. They're not running around barefoot. Um, You know, and that's just, that's just how it goes, I think. But, uh, but I think that. Truly, it is actually uh, it's a very big priority to us. So, for instance, you know we we really do eat our own dog food. You know, one of the one of the larger kind of project uh, services that we offer is building like very robust sales playbooks for clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is everything from like objection talk tracks to very detailed sales plays with email templates and um, content and everything created for it to target persona research to uh, you know the list goes on. Like these these are the very big uh, playbooks that we build and we have one for ourselves. and it took a lot of time. It took longer to build it for ourselves than we do for our clients, right? That's how it goes, but we have it, we use it. It makes a huge difference. We also use the sales enablement technology, um, that we use with our clients and, um, and we truly use it. We use our CRM. We make sure that, um, we're, we're automating, you know, sequences that we're using email templates that we're looking at the data. Um, we're just very committed to that. Um, I've always been. And so I really try to drive that with us. And then another thing that we've done too is um, last year we actually hired a director of sales. Um, so mm. we had sales, we have full-time salespeople, but we've really, I feel like gone all in by saying, it can't just be me and the other division leaders. Um, it, you know, we really need a centralized person that is making new business like a, that's their job priority. Um, and that's made a huge difference. You know, it's a big investment and uh and and it's i think that's another piece uh and then also you know one thing that is easy for us to forget but we stay on top of for sure is <laughs> just regular content audits and really good like sales and marketing alignment you know like we will just get the team together let's talk about the stuff let's do this um and i kind of like will remember it too whenever i hear us like reminding a client of something like this where I'm like, man, you really haven't done this well I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Let's go do it. And so I try to keep that pulse. Cause I'm seeing the stuff we're doing for clients. I'm like, Oh yeah, we haven't done that in a while. So Um, so yeah, I think, and now that I say it all, I think our, our shoes are better than they were, have ever been before.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You got to give yourself better credit. They got some good, like, you know, arch, arch support. It sounds like, or whatever. I'm going to run out of like footnotes. I mean, you always
1: think you could be doing more. You always want to be doing more. You always, you know, but I think we do a really great job and we found a really good balance and it shows in our, our growth and our new business.
0: Um, that's great. And so, uh, I guess my first question, there's a couple of things. I love the call out about content audits and like sales and marketing alignment. I think we'll get there in a moment. Going back to the sales playbooks element, it sounds like a lot of the, the process, the guidance, the talk tracks, like a lot of that content is in those, those playbooks. Um, you mentioned it took a long time. It's intensive to build who, how does ownership appear for that. Who who drives that initiative or who owns that collateral? For our internal your...
1: one, not like for yeah. our clients. Yeah. yeah for our for exactly, one. Exactly.
0: Yeah. For the one for your own sales team. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So um when it was first built, uh, which was a few years ago, quite a few years ago, um, it was me, right? I drove it. Um yep. because I was kind of leading up the head of sale. I was like essentially the director of sales for Lee 2 in addition to other things before we hired a director of sales. Now it is our director of sales who owns it. Um, When I say own it though, that doesn't mean she's the one who is editing it. (laughs) We don't want her doing that. I don't want her in there, you know, deciding on this or that, but like, she's the one that keeps uh, a pulse on, is it up to date? Okay. No, you know I actually realizing we really need a sales play for this or, I feel like we could go back and revisit some of these objection talk tracks or, you know, is our elevator pitch as good as it could be or whatever. So she kind of like is the owner, but not the, um, yeah, not the editor. That- I hear what you're saying.
0: Like drives the overarching strategy, kind of audits and assesses its performance, but the actual editorial maintenance of it, yeah, that falls elsewhere.
1: Yeah, and I'd say, and who it falls to is typically either our marketing team um, and and then I'm I'm closely involved in all of it. So um, our marketing will kind of own- updating, editing, that kind of stuff. But like, we'll pull in someone else if we want email templates written or we'll pull, you know, we we have a lot of expertise in our company, especially from a sales perspective. I mean, we have sales consultants at the Center for Sales Strategy. So we'll even pull them in to help us with things (laughs) and have outside perspective. So we're lucky in that realm that we have a lot of really smart sales experts.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's helpful. And I guess we were just talking about um, benchmarking, how it's going, finding opportunities to like improve or like shore up elements of the strategy. And then we equip the marketers to help us create that content. How are the various assets being benchmarked performance wise? Uh, how do you know, is there a way to quantify the scripts you have for objection handling as being impactful or, or you know, working yeah. as as needed to, right?
1: Yeah. I'm going to be really honest. Um, <laughs> it's hard. It's not always, it's not very more
0: art than at science time.
1: at times, you know, I wish I could say like, yeah, we have the per, you know, like the truth is we just don't. We 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 use HubSpot, we use HubSpot sales and tools, so we have some metrics and things that we can per- see how email templates perform and so forth. But
0: yeah.
1: our salespeople aren't always using an email template. Sometimes they're <laughs> using that and they're just they're just um, plugging in that, or it's a conversation they're having on a phone call. So just there's so much that's not actually measurable. Um, so I would say the way we really really measure is we sit down and talk to the salespeople, like how is mm. this going? Did you use this? Um, and we take their, their feedback and we say, gosh, they're not finding this valuable at all. Like they're, they're typically, I mean, they're going to be pretty honest because they want as much things to work as possible. Like I never use that email template because I don't really like it. Or I use this one all the time because I actually get replies. You know, yes, some of that is, it's risky of like, okay, how accurate is it? It's not as great as having the exact numbers, but I think it cannot be overlooked the value of just having those ongoing conversations. Um, that's a huge way. The other yeah. thing we do is when we have a win, when we close a new piece of business, we try to go and look at the story. We say, okay, let's go see. Let's like, we don't, It's not like we're bringing on 20 new customers a day. I wish, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so it, it, we have the time and it's a priority to say, let's look at this path. Like, how did we find this prospect? What content did we send them? What kind of questions came up? And, and it's not a lot of time. I mean, this could be a 30-minute conversation. Um, yeah. That really is, I think, one of the most valuable Things that we do is just look at it in detail, not just trying yeah. to rely on the technology. That's part of it in um, the performance metrics, but let's really look at the story here and what can we learn from it.
0: Yeah, I love the retrospective of like, all right, what are all the what's everything in which we can say influenced the, the yeah. totality of the outcome there. Yeah. But also, I mean, to your point too, the other the earlier point on that was uh, don't discredit or discount like just the qualitative feedback from the sales reps. I'm like, what are they using and what do they say is more helpful or beneficial than X or Y, and, and so yeah. that's that's a helpful tip. Yeah, um, you mentioned that having these systems in place, having this content in place, uh, it's it's impacted uh, growth, uh, especially for new biz. Um, how would you how to pull the thread on it more granularly? Like how so? Is it bigger deals? More, is it closing more deals? Uh, or is that moving faster through the sales process? Like how would you how would you qualify that impact?
1: Yeah, so I think I mean, hmm. All, all of the above. <laughs> all
0: of the above. Yeah. D, yeah, all of the above. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's it. That's my answer. No, I was kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, it is all of the above. I think it depends on what we're really sh- at this moment in time. And and with each individual salesperson, what are we actually focusing on with them? So with someone, you know, um, it might be that like they're really struggling getting first appointments. And so the main thing we're focusing on is are they able to turn their outbound prospecting their outreach into first quality appointments? So like we, we focus, we try to focus on the metric that needs to be focused on, if that makes sense. Um,
0: Yeah. So it's not just like broad, it's like, we're not looking at it just broadly. Yeah. Our sales deals move faster, more broadly. It's no for each individual rep where is the greatest opportunity for improvement? And that's where it plugs in. So it's down yeah. to the individual. Yeah, it's more yeah, coaching. Really it
1: is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we certainly do look at it holistically, but I would much more, we are like individual focus. We believe in that. Um, focusing, because each sales salesperson is different. And so looking yeah. at it holistically, isn't that helpful a lot of the time. It's like, this person could be great. Once, you, once they present a proposal, man, they're going to close so much. <laughs> Other people might be like, that's where they need the most support, but man, they can get those appointments and they are just a month. You know, they can just, the, they could kill the numbers in that way so yeah it's like focusing on that and what do they need to improve there how can we coach them there how can we support them um you know some people maybe don't need as much content and resources at a certain stage um because they're just a great talker or they're great at this thing whereas some others might really need it so if we focus too much holistically we might be missing opportunities that can support this individual yep. um and that's not always possible obviously with if if people have giant sales forces, but you (laughs) can group people together at least, right? Um, So for us, it works. And that's what we try to focus on. But definitely sales velocity matters a lot to us. Um, And I would say the biggest like, Conversion rates we care about is how many new appointments do we have each week? Like how many quality discovery calls? That's a huge metric for us. Like mm. we know that has to be happening. We have to have that funnel full. Like I don't care what else anyone else is doing. I don't care how many other sales types of calls or if you have the tenth follow up with this great prospect who hasn't closed yet. Like you, we need every person to have X number of um, quality new discovery calls. And then the other thing is like, what is actually our close rate? I don't really want us presenting proposals unless we feel pretty confident about it. Like, so we haven't had a a successful sales process. If we're not like, yeah, we feel like they're pretty close to saying yes. Like they already know pricing. They already have an idea of our services. We call it a no surprise proposal. That's what we focus on is like that when they're actually getting presented these numbers and this, when you know, plan, most of it is like, yeah, this is what I was expecting you to present. Yeah. We're just trying trying to cross the the T's dot the
0: I's like, Yeah. yeah, we're just, it's yeah. And so it's, It's less about the quantity of proposals you're sending out. It's like, no, let's pull back on the quantity, but have a near hundred percent close rate because to your point, the frame of no surprises, it's just we're there. They know what to expect and what it's gonna be within. Yeah. Love that.
1: And we're also really big on uh don't hold on to prospects. Like if it's not going anywhere, like you know, say goodbye, get it off. I mean, the truth is salesperson can only focus so much energy on so many like kind of like target accounts. And so keeping yeah. that number, whatever that is, if that's 10, if that's 20 or 30 that you allow, like deciding that and saying, this is how many they can have in their bandwidth really effic- effectively and managing that as their manager, um, that they don't just have this countless of a hundred accounts that they're kind of, it just doesn't <laughs> work that way. Uh, they're not yeah. going to be focused enough.
0: Um, it makes total sense. You mentioned, uh, Uh, like coaching, right? Like performance management, helping each individual rep through uh, these, especially through the lens of some North star metrics. I do, I'm interested. I'm going to pull that thread in a moment. um, But I I don't like to plant too many seeds and not go back and and harvest them or whatever. Yeah. Um, We talked about sales and marketing alignment and I do want to revisit that as well. Uh, You mentioned that um, it's ongoing and some sort of cadence conversations between marketing folks and sales folks. How does that, how does that, uh, Uh, Happen at your organization? What do those conversations entail? What does the agenda look like? What's the intended outcomes? Tell me more about those alignment meetings.
1: Yeah, so often, it it depends. So there's kind of two routes that this looks. So the the most frequent route is the director of sales is getting gathering that information, is having these conversations in their one-on-ones with salespeople. They're asking this kind of stuff. They're noticing things. Um, Our director of sales, Elisa, she's amazing. And so she's able to kind of like spot The needs or the, you know, different things that, that warrant a conversation. And so she does a great job of that, of gathering that information and then being able to, we have like our leadership team calls that include our director, our marketing director, you know, our director of sales, me, um, some other folks. And, that's where we can like talk about that stuff, um, or she'll just come to me and the the, the uh, our, uh marketing director, and um, uh, and we'll just say, hey, I'm noticing this thing, you know, and sometimes it might be even that she's like, I need this, I need that, because like that happens, and it's our job to say, okay, let's like let's figure out what are the priorities, what what do we have the bandwidth for, so we all do that together. So that's a big route where she's kind of like the voice of our sales team. The other route yeah. is like actually planning calls with salespeople where we brainstorm things. So I just recently did this where I actually led it and we went through and said, okay, where are you struggling in the sales process? What are some of like, I like to go through the buyer's journey of like, okay, at this stage, what are the questions you're hearing the most? What are the, um, yeah, problems that you're hearing them facing? Okay. At this stage, why do you feel like people are getting stuck? Why do you think you're not progressing in the sales process? You know, like these kind of very direct questions and just listening, just letting them Mm -hmm. talk and talk. Um, that call is not about problem solving. It's not about giving them answers. It's not about anything except for just letting them talk openly and candidly and us recording it and being able to like, uh, hear and listen to them. And then we go back and we talk about it internally. Okay. What really stood out here? What do we think we should focus on? That kind of thing.
0: Yep. And so, um, I can imagine that's probably one key input into the sales enablement content strategy of like okay how can we impact is there any other uh ways in which the insights from those types of calls like where else does that uh populate marketing campaigns or, or otherwise
1: yeah totally populates our blog for sure um mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. we are we have a blog manager um and she, cause we, we have three blogs across our three divisions and um, we push out a lot of content. And so she will kind of come up with like the next quarter's um, titles and we write all of our, so all of our employees write all for our blogs. So everything's like written in house and just like a variety of voices. And we love that in different positions and roles. And so uh, she comes up with titles based off of a lot of the times based off of those conversations. That's like our, our biggest source, um, along with like, okay, we have campaigns or we know we're focusing on this for a strategy, right? It's all implemented, but that's a big piece. Um, and then that also can drive campaign ideas as well. So. Yep. That's yep. The all of the part. above. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But
0: it's like, yeah, if this is a question that comes up most frequently in sales calls, then yeah. Why isn't a blog directly titled that question? And let's exactly. answer it within the content. Yep.
1: And Love I'll tell that. you, I also use that information to like, write interesting posts on my own LinkedIn. I've like, yeah, oh, sure. inspired with this. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good question. Then I'll go like create a little video or do stuff. So I know there's other people on the team who do that kind of thing, just like our own thought leadership content too. We use that. Like our salespeople are just such a good source for the pulse of what's being talked about, you know?
0: Yep. Now, if I uh <clears throat> now again, it's it's the only thing people are talking about. And so it's like we have to understand where and how it factors into this is the team actively experimenting with generative ai and those who's like is that helping inform some of the content you create as part of the playbooks or otherwise like what's the ai lens on this
1: oh ai who knew we'd get there you know you (laughs) talk about it we can't like you have to talk about it my podcast too right now it's like every episode i'm like somehow we talk about ai a little bit it's
0: mandatory in you know in 2023 to have to talk about yes
1: yeah um yeah so we are we are Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> um, we we actually created a task force early, um, I think in January, uh, which is, has like multiple people from different departments and roles on our at our company that are not on the leadership team um, that uh, are just tasked with like researching and generating what are the problems we can potentially solve? How can we potentially use AI effectively both for our own needs internally, but also like to help our clients better and, and be more effective in our service delivery. Um, so we've been all in on like just researching, uh, you know, brainstorming all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've come up with some really great things and we've already started rolling some stuff out, uh, things that we were already doing trainings and giving recommendations to a lot of our clients. Cause they want to know, how can this help me with my sales process? How can this help me with my marketing content? Um, yeah. our big stance is this AI is here. It's not about like, am I going to use it? It's how do we use it most effectively, right? How do we not get yep. caught up in all the hoopla and use it in ways that aren't <laughs> actually that effective, um, or, or actually detrimental. Um, and so we're all in on, on it and, but also like moving quickly, but also methodically about how we use it. So we are using it for some content creation. We definitely use it for, Mm -hmm. um, outline creation. We use it for a variety of copywriting, different things. Um, our big, like our big rule of thumb is, everything coming out of AI requires an editor. Um, so people who think like they can take something from AI and we have clients who try they're like, well, we got this blog from AI. We're just yeah. going to post this. So it needs that human
0: up. level of oversight. You're not,
1: you're, yeah. You yeah. need to have like a skilled person still, you know, that is this accurate? Is this flow? Does this make sense? Are there keyword, you know, whatever it might be. Um, yeah. so we really stand by that, that like you need the human, um, but it can save time. And so we're excited about that. We're doing more of that with our clients. Um, on the sales side, like there's some really simple stuff we're, we're doing and, and teaching our clients to use, which is like, yeah, how to create sales email templates, how to come up with valid business reasons, um, how to come up with like data points that you can share with a prospect. Um, you know, there's all kinds of like these little things that take maybe normally 30 minutes that you can do in a couple minutes, you know, so that kind yes. of stuff, uh, those efficiency
0: gains continue to stack yes. right minute here, minutes there, half hours yep. here, half hours there. it stacks. Yeah. Yep.
1: And so we're looking to also develop some of our own, like a little bit more proprietary ways of using AI and having that. So like we're researching that more to come, but yeah, we're, we're excited. We think there's a lot to do. And um, yeah,
0: that's great. Know, we're on board. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. And it's, uh, I think I'm in a line. I, I, I buy into your stance. It's here, you know, let's move fast with the technology, but you know, also balancing a, a method, like what'd you say? Methodical approach. And so yeah. Yeah, uh, I think I subscribe to that notion as well. Um, now again, I think the last seat I had planted, so we'll go over there too, was the training component. Uh, now correct me if I'm wrong. Lee G2, are you fully remote or, uh, uh, majority yes. remote distributed team, correct?
1: Yes. We are a hundred percent remote and we have been for 40 years since the beginning of our parent company. Head of the um, curve. Head of yes. the curve. So we were really lucky when stuff hit the fan, right. With COVID. Um, cause it was, we were, we knew this, um, we've always been remote, uh, back in the day, it was just traveling consultants, right. That's what we did. Um, and so, yep. yeah. And right now our team is completely distributed across the country. I mean, I hired people during COVID throughout that I've never met until recently. Um, we're very comfortable with it. Yeah. We have a long, long culture and yeah, it's our thing and we love it. So then you're the
0: exact right person, uh, to be talking to about it or to be asking these questions to, uh, what does effective sales management look like or like sales performance management look like as a remote slash distributed team? What, you know, any tips for partners that are newer maybe to the transition and and trying to still effectively manage their sales reps, sales teams?
1: Yes. First and foremost, um, it starts with your culture and it starts with trust, right? So if you are worried that you can't trust someone to do their job without you micromanaging every second of their day remotely, you either need to figure out why, right? Like, is it you <laughs> that has an issue, or is this not right? The right person because th- there's clearly something wrong if you can't trust people to do their jobs. You're not hiring them correctly. The culture's not correct. Um, so that really matters. Like, trust is the foundation. It is not going to work without it. Um, huh? So that comes first and foremost. We we really focus on that. For us, we also really like drive home our core values and we measure on them. We talk about them. And so for ours, it's quality, integrity, and responsiveness. And I know a lot of people have core values and then it's just like a thing on paper on the website, but um, it's how we hire people. It's how we evaluate. It's what we talk about. Um, And so for us, it's like, we manage based off of that. We manage based off of, are those things being met? Um, Are we seeing that day in and day out? From a real specific like sales standpoint, um,
0: yeah,
1: we we set we be really clear about expectations, but also like let people do what they do best, right? We hire skilled salespeople, and and even if they're greener, we they're still they're talented. We hire talented salespeople. We're really big on talent (laughs) being the first thing that you're looking at. Um, And we have, we have methodologies for how we do that. That's like part of what we do is, is measuring talent. Um, But you know, it's, and we call it talent focused management. We also manage people based off their talents, not where we think their shortcomings are, but like, oh, if this is where they really shine, how can we help that boost up the other areas of what they do? Mm. Um, So that's a big focus of like our coaching. Um, Other specifics I think are just helpful to know, like we don't have too many meetings. We don't have like you know, every day you have to meet at eight 30 with your boss. Like we don't, we are not into like micromanaging. We are not into yep. excessive meetings. Um, we trust people and we set, we, we use very specific and a small amount of metrics to measure success. And if things aren't happening, if salesperson is not hitting their numbers, you know, weeks after week, we coach them. We don't say, why aren't you hitting your numbers? You know, yep. we help them. It's a consultative coaching um environment where we're working together to problem solve and to motivate and to um to learn and grow. Um
0: yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, uh, because I, you know, depending on maybe who you would ask, maybe this isn't whether there is a right or wrong, but others would say, oh, I mean, you know, the antiquated approach, if they're you know, if they're fully remote, then yeah, you need to check in more frequently. You do need to daily say, oh, you do have to micromanage. Ooh, you do have to have a wide range of metrics and numbers, all of which they need to be surpassing, uh, and it's, it, oh, we need more meeting synchronous time. And actually, the, the, the to your recommendation, it's to go in the complete other direction, right? You have yeah. to really trust, the has to start at the culture, have to give them the accountability and autonomy. The actual metrics measuring performance are streamlined, right? They're simplified, yeah. uh, and then, you know, performance is, is managed through talent. Uh, Yeah. Consultative coaching. So it's interesting, right? Some folks may want the pendulum to swing the other way. Uh, This is a case for, for not. It's not
1: what we see works. Um, but yeah. And I'll add one more thing that I think is really important is we also create, um, payment plans. Like the way people are actually paid is based (laughs) off of incentivizing them to do the things that we most want them to do. Right. So if you're telling someone, this is really important as a salesperson, like you need to do this, this, and this, but they're actually not incentivized monetarily to do that, but you're paying them based off of this thing, they're going to do what they're paid to do. And so if you get both, like however you're giving bonuses or however you're giving commission, it should be directly reflective of the things that you're measuring them on. That's, that's something we really believe in.
0: Yeah. It has to pull through in the comp plan. It's a great call. Yeah. Are you so it, for, for lead G2 is that, uh, well, I would imagine closed business. Um, but is there some sort of incentive to discovery calls? booked uh is that is that is that how it's factoring in or
1: we don't do it directly to like um those types of metric like that like like in the sales process but um new business right so uh, that's like a huge focus of like how you're incentivized by new business um versus like returning business or retainer business um but also uh we incentivize based off of size of um size and frequency of new business closed Oh, so I mean those great. are obvious ones, but the truth like not everyone does that, right? Like right. that, like if you want people to close deals that are longer term and larger, great, we incentivize should incentivize like, on that. On that.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah, factor yep. yep. it into compensation. Yep, one hundred percent. So, Dan, as we push on time, uh, one final question, maybe for you. Uh, now we wrap every episode with it. This question: uh, What's the strangest part of agency life?
1: Oh, you didn't tell me I was going to get that. I didn't even realize. Yeah, I guess I should have been... Oh, yeah.
0: we, this is a curveball. You got to throw the like curveball like at the curve end. You know, I don't want you to come in with a boilerplate sound. I know, mic, I know. You
1: know? Um, strangest part is... oh, strange, strange. Sorry. Okay, let's see. Um, I, I don't know if it's strange, but I think it's the thing that keeps me the most on my toes is just remembering that like everyone is different. <laughs> every human is different. <laughs> that like, every client is different. You're you're dealing with people. You're not dealing with businesses. Like, yes, it's B2B, but like, these are people with personalities and lives and emotions. And so like, it's strange to me because it's interesting. It's like, okay, today I'm talking to this person who's worked up about this thing. Like, I get to put on the hat of like, this. it's all interpersonal. Everything we do, you cannot convince me differently. Every conversation, every, uh, you know, presentation is like, there's an interpersonal component and it is strange because humans are strange. And so that to me is what I love and also like can be the most challenging thing too.
0: Right. I mean, even if we're all uh, operating in B2B, it's still human to human, right? There's still the interpersonal layer to that. Yep. Yep. Yep uh, yeah, equal parts strange, but I can see why it would also keep you on your toes. So I think we'll, uh, we'll take that. We'll take that as an answer.
1: Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That works.
0: That fits. Great. That I fits well. <laughs> um, so Danny, as we come up on time uh, again, it's been, uh, super insightful, super helpful. Again, uh, it sounds like there's an immense amount of experience from yourself, but the team as it relates to sales consultancy, sales enablement as a service. Um, but again, an opportunity to learn how you've, and uh, we'll use the right metaphor. Drank your own champagne on that front uh, there go. within that yeah. subject matter expertise. So uh, super helpful. I know many others are trying to accelerate, you know, their their sales engines. Uh, and so, anyways, uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. This was fun. Awesome.
0: And for everybody that has tuned in, this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered.